Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. They need to reflect. They need to write about it. Like, this is what I believe to be true. They need to catch themselves in the moment. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name's Coach Yas, a performance coach, content creator, and founder of The Coaches Network. And today's episode is going to be part of our how-to series, where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how-to steps to help you reach your full potential. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of The Coaches Network. I'm Coach Yas, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. And today, we've got a very special guest with us for our latest edition of the how-to series. Sky Eddie Bruce. Sky is the founder of the Soccer Parenting Association, um, and she here she's here with us today to just discuss some key elements on how to build positive and engaging relationship with parents. How are you, Sky? Good, great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for being with us. So, Sky, just to give a bit of a backdrop before we get into the real heart of the conversation, just wanted to get a bit of a a bit about your journey and how you came to founding the organization in the first place. Sure, absolutely. Well, um, I grew up in the game. I um, am from the United States. I grew up um, just outside D.C. and um, played for our youth national team programs, um, played collegiately um, and played professionally briefly in Italy. So, you know, a huge part of my journey, it's impossible to say, isn't from a playing perspective. Um, but I'd always been a coach since high school. I was a goalkeeper. And so I was always doing personal training and just had the benefits of some amazing coach mentors along the way here in the States with Tony DeChico and Dr. Magnick, who are, um, you know, storied goalkeeper coaches here in the States. And, um, you know, through them really developed this kind of sense of the value and the importance of relationship building. And as my kids grew up in the game, I just really became acutely aware of the deficiencies that existed between the coach-parent relationship. And 
like how much our youth soccer experience could be improved if the coaches and parents collaborated just a little bit more. So of course, um, you know, I'm still coaching in the youth game. Um, I have a team I'm coaching now. Um, I am a grassroots instructor for U.S. soccer. I have my B license for U.S. soccer. Um, and I'm also a coach ed educator for United Soccer Coaches. So I spend a lot of time um, in the role that I am right now coaching and working with coaches. And I founded Soccer Parenting probably about eight years ago now with a mission of inspiring players by empowering parents. And I know that that concept of like giving parents more power for us coaches seems a little overwhelming, but I think we just need to kind of rethink the relationship between coaches and parents and the role that parents play. So that's a lot of the work that I'm doing now. Um, I have hundreds of uh, over hundred clubs that are club partners of mine here in the United States that are working to educate parents and to kind of rethink that coach-parent relationship through an education platform I've created, uh, the Soccer Parent Resource Center. Brilliant. So, you know, just touched on there, obviously, you know, a large part of that came from uh, identifying, I guess, a gap in the, you know, in the learning and the opportunities between parents and coaches there. What would you say some of the, bi some of the biggest challenges are within that? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of gaps. I think the biggest the biggest challenge is just the history of the culture of the relationship. So, um, you know, as coaches, uh, we've been taught literally like ignore the parents or, you know, you stay over there and the parents will be over here. And, you know, this really just hasn't been working. Um, it's not in the best interest of our children. And so probably the biggest um gap that I'm addressing is, or just this awareness that that the positive potential of a clearly defined with very clear boundaries, um, how the coach-parent relationship can support and help the development of players. Um, and this is a lot of culture-changing work that I'm doing. Um, you know, this is a lot of establishing trust in the coach-parent relationship. And so uh, when I'm presenting and educating coaches and parents, a lot of the foundational work that I'm doing is really about establishing trust and how we specifically do that um, and, you know, highlighting what the results of that will be as well. Brilliant. So just on that, you know, as part of that, you touched there on how to go about developing that trust and that those relationships within that just before you get to that though what would you say are some of the reservations you know you talk a little bit a lot about culture of not i guess mm -hmm. traditionally uh buying into a relationship with the parents and at least not on a uh level where they're going to be involved or have some sort of input in what's going on on, on the i guess the on-field stuff shall we say um how what where do you think that comes from and what you know what do you think are some of the biggest challenges in terms of breaking that down and, and you know through the work that you've done what have you have you seen any resistance from some of the coaches that have um i guess been part of the organizations that you're working with and that maybe have come around to the idea and bought into what you're doing yeah absolutely i mean when i started down this journey uh you know, the first few times where I presented to large groups of coaches in a coach education environment, um, most people thought it was crazy. <laughs> you know, they were like, why would I want to engage parents? And this is like five or six, seven years ago. And fortunately, we're really seeing the, uh, the culture change. And so, you know, five years ago, everyone thinks I'm crazy. Uh, we start presenting about research because there's very clear research on the benefits of parent engagement and how that will impact uh, clubs and um, player retention and player level of inspiration. So 
once coaches are seeing the research, there's a little bit of buy-in and we're building some momentum. Three years ago, you know, the rooms are packed when I'm at some of our larger conventions and presenting on these topics and coaches are curious. Um, and now what I'm hearing from coaches and clubs is sort of, okay, show us how, tell us how. Um, and so the, the pushback, um, of course, there's some coaches that are never going to be okay with this, just like there are some parents who are never going to be reasonable on the sidelines. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we are seeing that coaches as we have a, have a general shift to um, really developing the important self skills in coaching to use one of Dan Abraham's terms, you know, he talks about self skills and the importance for coaches to develop those as coaches are, are cluing into that and realizing that then uh, that is opening the door to this coach parent relationship. And, you know, the, the coach parent relationship is such a confused thing because it's never really been established. And one of the important things that clubs and coaches need to do is to establish boundaries. Like this is what the coach parent relationship looks like. It's such a confusing thing for coaches and parents alike, the dynamics of that relationship, the awkwardness that parents feel and going to talk to coaches, the stress that coaches feel when parents are walking over to them after the game that they just lost. And there's this feeling like the parents are going to be upset. So the relationship is so confusing. I think the first thing that we need to do is really define it. And for coaches to take the lead on this in, in parent meetings and say, these are the boundaries of our relationship. I welcome your conversation. I welcome them uh, about these topics, but not these topics. So, like we need to set those boundaries so that there's clarity. So then parents can feel comfortable mm. thinking, oh, this is one of the good topics to go talk to them about. So Definitely. I will. You know, just touching on that, you know, you talked there about that, that conversation with the parents. How, how much, um, you know, has there been in terms of input from the parents and what is their what is their i guess uh reflection been on the process going through this i mean i'm sure from experience you know working with parents in, in certainly in the uk and in, in london in particular there's sometimes a disparity between you've got that one parent who thinks they know everything so they want to tell the child what the, what mm -hmm. to do all the time even if it's against what the coach says or you've got the other parent who is maybe not as educated but has got a loads of passion and wants to support their child but maybe just not not as educated so they just say what they think is the right thing to say or in terms of supporting that to that youth player um does it is it, is it a similar, yeah, similar that, climate that's, over there in that respect yeah absolutely that's really insightful for me to hear from you just to say okay you know it's very similar in the uk versus in the u.s um, the term that I use a lot, and I know it's not necessarily the most politically correct, but in my writing and my education, I refer to this. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. I, I talk about the crazy soccer parent, um, you know, and the work that I'm doing, the education platform that I'm providing, the education that I'm providing to coaches about how to engage with parents does not really uh, speak to the crazy soccer parent. I feel like we have long allowed the crazy soccer parent to rule the culture within our youth sporting environment. And so what we really need to be doing instead is exactly what you were saying, to speaking to those really well-intentioned parents that don't have the education. And I think that that's the vast majority of parents are really well-intentioned. I call them level-headed soccer parents. 
So we need to be speaking to the level-headed parents, providing them with the education, the information that they need so that they can best support their child so that they can find inspiration in the game that they'll take with them into a healthy adulthood. And we've been spending way too much time giving the crazy soccer parents too much power. And so we need to shift our focus into these level-headed parents. And I think when we do, then we'll start to see the dynamic um, on the sidelines. We'll start to see the level of inspiration of the players. All of those things will start to um, will start to improve. I just want to take you back a, you know, a couple of minutes there. Obviously, talk that had a bit of a resistance. You know, I was recently having a conversation with Trevor, mm -hmm. Trevor Reagan from the Learner Lab um, around the... Mm -hmm. The, the, you know, being comfortable and, you know, uncomfortable and how getting outside of your comfort zone is where you're going to start to see change. Do you think a lot of that resistance comes from those coaches not being comfortable in that and that they're so used to not having to, I guess, maybe build those relationships in a way where they have to maybe explain or justify or even cl just clarify even some of the things they are doing? Yeah, I mean, I think comfortable is uh or lack of them lack of comfortability i don't know if that is exactly it i would probably say lack of education lack of confidence um lack of um you know their trust their 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 confidence in their coaching efficacy their ability to impact change um you know this you know we have this culture of like this ego-filled coach um, and it's that ego that we need to break down. And so when we're talking about coaches developing self skills and working on their ability to establish strong and powerful relationships with their players in order to motivate them, in order to inspire them and to build connection with parents, we're really talking about like emotional intelligence and coaching. So we're talking about self-awareness. We're talking about self-management um, and like social awareness, awareness of what's going on with the dynamics of the group. And then from a coaching perspective, you know, team management. So so it's that self-awareness and self-management are probably the, the two foundational self-skills that coaches really, really need to be developing. Um, and whether that will give them um, confidence or whether that will give them um, just the really much needed education that they need to just have some some clarity about what their real purpose is. Um, you know, and that's what I'm really excited about now, because we're starting to see like Trevor and a lot of these other coaching organizations come in or influencers in the sporting landscapes come in and start talking about these skills and start talking about the value and the importance of emotional intelligence type related skills. And um, that to me is really exciting because I'm positive that as our coaches become more confident, um, less ego filled. Um, more, um, you know, uh, just really appreciating the value that they have in a child's or the role that they play in a child's life. Once it really shifts to that, then we're going to be getting to this point where players are really playing because they're inspired, because they have this love of the game. And we know that that will, re that, that, that will build into player development at a higher level. No, I agree with um, uh, what you're saying. I feel like, uh, there's always been that sort of that like dichotomy between uh, parents and coaches, and um, it's not something that is addressed that much. Like uh, you hear mm -hmm. when you hear about like the accounts of especially like young players when they, you know they do make it pro and whatnot, like you do notice that like um, their parents and their family is obviously a huge influence in you know the way they think. So it's really important that like mm -hmm. it's a really important field to attack. Um, just in regards to that, um, when 
what sort of problems that you've seen per se um, in terms of like the way coaches interact with parents? Like, do you feel, do you feel like, um, you know, that, you know, we, we encourage like honesty and whatnot. Uh, do you think, like, how do you think it should be done? Like, do you feel like it should, mm-hmm. it should be like an honest conversation? Do you feel like they should kind of like manage the expectations of, you know, some sort of like excited parents, shall I say, or, or some that want to get in, involved a lot? And like um, I've had this sort of discussion with coaches a lot um, in terms of like how how much do you should we let like parents know about like, actually what we're working on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great questions. So um, two things come to mind. Then one is um, the, I, I talked about setting boundaries. So we need to open the door and close the door to parents as coaches. So. The door is closed if parents want to come talk to us or challenge us on a tactical decision that we make in the game. You know, if we do a substitution that they don't agree with, or if we call for a three-man wall instead of a four-man wall and a goal is scored, like those types of things, uh, or a system of play that we're utilizing tactically in a game, like that is not, the door is not open for parents to talk about that unless they're like genuinely curious about the system and want to learn. Um, the door is closed. Again, I sort of referred to this sort of like game decisions that we make, whether it be substitutions or who starts, those types of things. Um, and the door is closed if parents want to talk about another player. So if they want to come and complain about a player, um, unless there's like a very clear bullying situation that needs to be addressed, the door is closed to talk about, you know, why is this player on the team there? Because they're not fast enough. They're not as skilled. Like we don't need that conversation is not allowable between coaches and parents, but the conversations that are when the door is open is if a parent has any concerns about the inspiration level of their child. What I tell the parents on the team that I coach is, hey, if your child gets in the car after training, like four out of five times in a couple weeks, and they're not like in a great mood, or they're not happy, or they seem upset, then definitely I want to know that because there's an inspiration issue happening whether that be a interpersonal dynamic relationship with the players themselves, or whether that be with how I'm talking to them. And maybe I need to switch um, my tactics with how I communicate with that player and catch them being good more, whatever that is. I want to know, and the door is open to parents when it comes to player inspiration. The door is open if a parent is feeling stressed. You know, if they're feeling stressed about the future of their child, if they're literally, um, you know, feeling an extra amount of stress sitting on the sidelines during games, like, and they want to talk through that with you, the door is open to talk about any parental stress that they might have. You know, the the, the writing is on the wall that the child's not going to probably make this team next year. They want to talk to you about that. Of course, the door is open to that conversation. Um, the door is open if parents want to engage in learning about the game itself, which is probably a bigger issue here, I imagine, in the States than in the UK with your football and culture. Huh. And also, you know, the door is open to just establish some connection, you know, um, you know, just have normal conversation with coaches and parents just about, you know, everyday things like we welcome those types of conversations. So, you know, we need to be really clear with parents and in, you know, in the work that we're doing and our club partners that are um, working with our parent meetings and our guidelines for parents, you know, the, the coaches and the parents are really clear of when the door is open and when the door is closed. And so that really helps that because that really then establishes, like I said earlier, when it's okay to talk. But the second thing I was thinking, and I'm happy to follow up on that, but the, the second thing I was thinking when you were talking, Ben, was about trust. 
and how as coaches, we can establish trust in the coach parent relationship. And the research is really, really clear that trust filled organizations will, um, will have increased value. They'll have accelerated growth. They'll have enhanced innovation, stronger partnering, heightened loyalty. Like the research about companies who are trust-filled companies, it's very clear that those are the results of trust. So if we can take that into our soccer um, clubs and organizations, so how does a coach establish trust? They need to talk straight. Like if, if the player isn't up to it, they need to have those difficult conversations with a parent. If the coach is really seeing the, the child struggle in their mental performance, like the coach has to be willing to take the time to have that conversation with the parent so that the, the um, doors open there. Um, demonstrate respect. You know, that would be having a good practice organized, like being providing quality to the parents and to the players, um, creating transparency will be important to establishing trust, like no hidden agendas or things like that. Um, you know, right your wrongs. If a coach messes up, let's say they get sent off in a, in a, in a match, they need to have a conversation with that um, and the parents about that. Maybe right their wrong if they were in the wrong Um and then, you know, just listening first, keeping their commitments and getting better as coaches. A lot of the issues that parents have are very, very founded <laughs> because it's not quality coaching. And and the parents see that and they don't have a voice. So, you know, as a coaching community, we need to get better and we need to be providing a more quality environment um, developmentally for these players. No, I totally agree with, um, uh, you know, a lot of the points that you're you're making there's not like a there's no one size one size fits all to it and like yeah. as far as you make it like kind of clear the sort of parameters that they can communicate with you it does help um to steer the conversation to a positive way yeah a lot of coaches that I work with think like oh she's asking so much of us and you know I want to be clear like in the team that I coach I very rarely communicate with the parents this is not the coach that sends the 17 paragraph email after every match to like do the highlights and, you know what we're going to work on in training i don't have the time to do that you know i'm busy enough as a as a working full time and having soccer parenting and being a parent myself and also coaching like so this is not um asking a lot more of the parent of the coaches this is just engaging genuinely with the parents when those opportunities that are already there arise instead of ignoring them or walking away or handling the situation, um, you know, it's just differently. You know, it's just a matter of, um, of just, um, you know, again, it's not more, it's just taking advantage of the opportunities to connect in a better way. Agreed, agreed. Um, I just want to touch on something that you, uh, you said a bit earlier in the conversation is about like, you know, a few of the, the sort of different dynamics of, of uh, the way like youth football is kind of set up in America and in the UK, um, like where in the UK quite a lot of, uh, you know, kids that play here are from working class or backgrounds, whereas I know in US it, it is changing, but like um, a majority tend to be, um, you know, from quite like affluent um, parents just because of the way you had to like mm -hmm. pay and whatnot. So like, do you see... Uh, do you see a difference there in terms of like I, I can imagine it like um, when you compare it to like basketball, like they like the parents putting a lot of hope in their kids um, having to make it. Do you see that like it's a bit more relaxed uh, 
with like kids that come from you know like sort of affluent families there's a tremendous amount of pressure on these children to get college scholarships here in the United States. Mm. Like parents um, think, oh, well, I'll spend the $3,500 a year now on this with a hope that my child would get a scholarship. So, you know, I get that question a lot when I do podcasts in the UK, like the difference in the, in the cultures. And I'm coming to believe that parents just generally want what's best for their children and want to help and support their child as much as possible. And I think that there's just a lot of education that needs to happen on just like general parenting on motivation of children and self-determination theory, if you will, like um, understanding about long-term athlete development, all of those things. So um, I, I wouldn't say by any means is it less stressful for players or on the sidelines or expectations based on, you know, working class trying to make it in the pro sport in the UK versus more upper class trying to make it uh, with, with a college scholarship. I think that the structures are very similar between the two countries and the result is too much pressure on children so that they can't just find joy and inspiration and in being healthy and falling in love with the game. And, and again, like I said earlier, really taking that love of the game um, with them forever. I mean, that's what we love about the work that we're doing. Like this game has grabbed us mm. and, um, you know, it inspires us as coaches. Like that's what we need to want for our players. And, you know, when I ask coaches if they feel like the environment that athletes that they have on their teams, if, if they have that inspirational environment that will lead to that level of, of connection to the game, a lot of the coaches are really honest and say, no, we, we don't we don't spend enough time or I'm not able to establish that because we're all worried about winning the next tournament or winning the state cup or what the college coach is going to say. Similar to, I imagine, you know, the, the, the varying pathway, but similar pathway you all have in the U.K., yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, just uh, on the like, there's, there's the other end of it where you have, um, you know, kind of like parents that aren't like particularly interested in not may not be like because of particular like dynamics between them and their kid, but like, more so to do with like the sport itself. So like, mm-hmm. like yeah, they're there, but they're not really there. And then like once the kid kind of goes into the car, um, there's not really like a conversation happening in regards to like. If, that training session or or the match like how important do you feel it is um to for those sort of parents to kind of engage um with their kids no i don't i don't think i think that level of engagement varies by the player and their capacity or desire to engage in that conversation with parents like um you know, there were times where my daughter, who's playing collegiately now here in the States, like she would want to talk about a game and I would have that conversation with her. But the vast majority of the time, she didn't want to have that conversation. I don't think the role of the parent um, with a child is to um, educate and uh, support their player in their specific playing journey. The role of the parent is to find an exceptional environment with coaches with strong self-awareness skills who have a good solid understanding of true youth development and care about the players. That's the parent's job. And everything else needs to be left up to, to the coach. So that's the whole thing about establishing trust is finding coaches that are extremely competent um, that you totally trust. Just, your I, child just on that thing. Um, would you say that, you know, some one of the challenges we have over here in particular is that you've got some parents who, um, would not want to, would not really 
as Ben touched on, really give too much uh, attention to the sport itself. We just want to be engaged in the child's development. Um, but one of the challenges we do have in particular is that that environment that you talk about where they've maybe got those self-aware coaches looking to really help the players or the you know, young people develop, um, whether that be as sports athletes or whether that just be as people in general, it's sometimes difficult for the parents maybe to identify what the attributes of that looks like. But, you know, commonly what tends to happen with people, I think, in general is they look at coaching and coaching has evolved a lot loads over the years certainly uh, within youth sport in that everything I'm going to speak generally here um, seems to be shifting towards much more of a a player centred and a player uh, focused approach uh, which maybe traditionally wasn't the case you know a few years back before all this research started coming and whatnot so maybe parents again who are not as educated are still going off the references that maybe they were exposed to when they were younger identifying certain environments that might not be the best for the player, but is something that maybe they identify as a positive environment based on their own references and putting the child in that mm-hmm. environment. How, you know, what can be done, I guess, in that respect from your, uh, from your experience that we could support parents in being more conscious and aware of those certain factors that they might have to be looking out for, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, that is the foundation of the parent engagement. I mean, the parent education. So I think education is a really important component of engagement. So the term that we use here in the States is parent engagement. And um, we need to realize that a very important component of that is parent education. And when we're talking about parent education, we need to talk about what an appropriate developmental environment looks like. Unfortunately, we hear from so many parents these days like, oh, man, I finally figured it out with my third child, but I made so many mistakes with my first and second. You know, it's those types Mm -hmm. of stories we're hearing Mm -hmm. now. So I think that eventually we'll see a bit of a shift. But, you know, this is an opportunity for the clubs that are establishing trust and that are doing the right thing, that are, you know, leading in the the right. And I just kind of have that in air quotes here way you know, for them to, um, you know, really uh, set the standards. Um, So the parents that are misguided, I mean, that's where trust comes in. You know, if a coach is able to establish trust with the parents and have like that direct conversation with a parent, you know, this is what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm seeing that you have some different ideas about what a great development environment looks like for your child than what uh, I believe to be true. Can we talk about those differences? This is where my perspective is and our club's perspective is, um, you know, where, where your child is on this pathway versus if you go over to that other club that, you know, is hoping that you join, that your, their, your child joins them, um, you know, they might not be getting that. This is what you're going to get with us. And it needs to be, there needs to be some real clarity around that. And, and clubs need to have philosophies and clubs need to have, you know, um, real clear principles that they're coaching around and that all their coaches buy into in order for that to, to really work. But the parent education components, and, and that's, you know, wh- where I see we have really, really large deficiencies is that parents don't understand the role that they play in the development of their child. Because for so long, at least here, they've been pushed away and not been given a place that they've just found a place. They've listened to the crazy parents and they said, oh, well, if they're doing it, then that must be the thing to do because this is the strongest voice that I see guiding me, this crazy parent. And so that has then gotten so much power. So 
once we step in as coaches and as sporting organizations and say, here, parents, this is the information you need. And we provide a really, really good product that the parents can trust and that they see good results from, um, then, you know, that's when the tide will start yeah, to shift. You talked there about, you know, the setting that environment, you know, one thing that kind of springs to mind, and it's, it's something that happens a lot over here in particular, especially from my observations, is that um, the whole con- concept of maybe that one-to-one, that quote-unquote personal training coach uh, within, the, within the sport context. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure what the landscape's like, though. For you guys over there but certainly over here there's a lot of coaches maybe take advantage of a situation like that where there is maybe a parent that is maybe uh mm-hmm. mis- you know ill-advised misadvised undereducated in that respect to know really what to look out for um yeah exactly i mean we have that i think i think you guys are picking it up from us <laughs> honestly like the technical individual skills trainers have been here in the states forever it feels like. And now they're starting to venture and starting to, you know, pull up similar programs in Europe. Um, Parents need to understand the research behind skill acquisition. So, you know, this is a, I, I present that information to parents. Like this is what the research says about how skills are acquired versus individual technical training versus learning more within a games based environment. Um, You know, this is important for parents to understand. Now, my opinion on the individual technical training is, hey, for some players, it has a place in establishing motivation and mindset. You know, if a player is going to feel like very and it's a very autonomous environment that they're feeling like they're getting extra training in and it really motivates them and gives them the sense of stronger connection to the game. And that's something. But it's not the answer. It's not the answer. Um, I'll also say, though, my daughter really benefited from training outside her club. And it wasn't necessarily individual, but it was small group training because it was just a different voice. She'd had the same coaches for years. And all of a sudden, hearing a different voice, it was a co-ed environment. The game just really clicked for her in that environment. So it's not always wrong and it's not always bad. I don't think we need to talk in absolutes like that. But the the idea that if parents are feeling like this is the solution to my child making an academy program, you know, that's where we need the, the red flags go up for me. Um, you know, it can be a bonus, a great way for our children to feel a stronger connection to the game and maybe provide them a little bit um, extra coaching and confidence so that when they go into the next trial, they'll be more apt to be able to um, compete. You know, those are those are maybe some of the benefits of Definitely. individual training. You touched on this, some of the benefits. I think this one thing that kind of really sparks out for me is that parents maybe could be um, doing, I guess, more due diligence ahead of, I guess, engaging in that environment to find out exactly what they're going to be getting off yes. the back end of that. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I mean, I, I, I engage in some of the one-to-one stuff um, myself with a few players, but I'm very selective about who I work with. Um, I'm very clear on what my philosophy is and the way I like to work. And it's almost as if if you're not coming with that mindset that that's, well, that's the outcome you're looking for. It's not to say that I can't help you with it, but I'm not passionate enough to want to help you with it, if that makes sense. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather, mm-hmm. I'd rather yeah. work with you on the stuff that I'm doing, if that's the stuff that you want to get out from it. Um, and I feel like yeah. if more coaches took that approach, or, you know, there'll probably be a lot more out of work, but um absolutely parents just need to be savvy though i was on a facebook page earlier today this big soccer parent facebook page that we have here 
And there was a parent saying, you know, oh my, we just paid for two technical training sessions. My daughter thought it was okay. And the coach asked her what she wants to work on next. She, the coach is asking a 13 year old, well, what do you want to do next session? Mm. <laughs> like the red flags yeah. are going off for me big time. <laughs> Um, and, and so there's just this lack of real clarity. Like parents are just trying to help. They're just trying to give their child what they need and, and to help them. And, um, you know, so my response to the parent was, you know, well, I would actually push back a little bit on the coach and be saying, what is your plan? What is the developmental plan for these sessions with my child? You know, there needs to be more than just a coach asking a 13 year old what they want to do. And I think I think within that, you know, I think there's a lot of questions the coach should be asking in terms of, you know, when that per- when that parent does arrive uh, for whatever reason they do, what is it, what is it that they are hoping to get out of the session? What are they hoping to get out of this program? Mm-hmm. This, this you know this these mm-hmm. uh, these period of sessions or the, you know these series of sessions, shall we say? Um, just to kind of build on from that, then you know, if we're now looking back at the parents now. We're talking about being parents being more savvy and i'm sure there's gonna be a bunch of parents listening to this so like like mm-hmm. sure there will be coaches um do you have any advice or tips for maybe parents that are looking to engage in this sort of um concept with in terms of one-to-one stuff whether it be on the technical side of things or in other in other ways um and maybe the types of questions you'd hope that they'd be asking ahead of engaging in that process um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so if I were a parent and I was looking for um, some individual training for my child, I would be interested in talking to other parents to see what the results were and how they felt about you know the dynamic of that training environment. I would be asking the coach, um, you know, what their philosophy is, what their training, well, you know, what the training environment will look like. Um, And I would be really curious as a parent to kind of push it back to the coach and say, you know, what results do you think we'll see? And if the the coach is saying, you know, unlikely things will happen in terms of like making the, you know, there's so many coaches here that the kind of the joke we have in the States is like, come train with me and I'll get your child a college scholarship. Like if that is the narrative that is being pushed forward, then run like that's not what we need to be considering. And parents are so sucked into that. It, it blows my mind how many parents hear that and then sign up. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's so much more. And this is, this is again, where parent education comes in. And, and parents just literally don't know. So I guess your question is a really important one. Maybe I need to write an article about that now that you're saying that and put some thought into like the five or six things that parents need to be uh, curious about when they're looking for individual training for their, for their child. Um, I think a lot of the benefits of individual training aside from, um, you know, potentially some confidence is just that relationship building with another coach who can establish confidence and really build them up. I mean, I think that's a big part for me about individual training. And I know when I was doing a lot of individual training for goalkeepers, it was very, a functional training, you know, um, you know, I would, I would hope that the answers that we're also getting will be very functional. Like if you're working on defensive skills and your stance and your body position and your approach to the ball and your awareness of one versus one versus two versus one, like those are the types of things that the coach will respond with are very um, technical, like very specific things uh, from an awareness standpoint. I don't know. Did yeah, I do no, it? Was just, that just, okay? Just perspective, because you know, I, I always say to parents, you know, first thing, you know, go in into that sort of environment, you know, 
because I've had parents come to me in the past and they talk about you know what they want to get from it and then I'm just quite honest with them that though that's that's not the way I work this is how I work and if that's not something you're down with then yeah and what are the parents saying when they're saying this is what I want to get out of it like have my child make this academy team or like you know rightly so they're ambitious they want to get somewhere they want to they want to you know build a better future for their for their for their children i guess um mm-hmm. but you know at the end of the day if we're, if we're being honest we can't promise them anything all we can do all we can do yeah is, absolutely if, you got, if you're doing it with integrity you can't promise them anything you all you can do is advise them on what you're going to do with them and hope and the effects that you hope it's going to have um and then, yeah one of the conversations i like having with parents is like what it's going to take for your child to make it at the top level um, you know, is going to be sort of a tenaciously strong mentality, um, exceptional speed, likely, you know, it's going to be a physical component of it that's yet to be determined about your child, um, it, depending on their age, is going to take luck <laughs> and is going to take a massive personal effort for them for individual training and their real desire, like built from their the child itself, their desire to just not be able to get enough of the game. And, you know, if those components aren't there, you cannot force them. And it's up to the child to develop them. So parents really can just, you know, provide opportunities. Um, I say, you know, provide moments of ignition, but it's up to your child to to light the fire themselves. I mean, you can provide them with the opportunity for, like, I had a gym membership for my daughter um, that was in conjunction with mine for years. And I would say to her every once in a while, hey, Callie, you want to go to the gym? And she would just be no, 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 no. And it just, I had the opportunity there for her. It didn't cost me much because I already had a membership. Um, and it, she never, and now here she is, she can't, she gets to the gym every day. Like something just clicked for her. It had nothing to do with me, but something clicked for her and her mentality. And, you know, as parents, we really can't force that. And I think that that's probably the most important thing that the, that the individual trainers who are really doing this right, they understand that. They, they see that, you know, ultimately this is up to the child. I can be a piece of this puzzle and maybe a brick that's in the foundation for them. But ultimately, this is really going to come down to the individual child and the decisions that they make um, in terms of what their path is going Definitely. to look like. I just want to interest to come back to you, you know, the, the Soccer Parent Association and some of the work that you guys do there. Would you mind just taking us through some of this, I guess, uh, some part of the process in terms of what that looks like in terms of the club engaging with you um i guess what um yeah for sure what steps are i guess taken there in terms of your involvement yeah absolutely so um like i said we have over 100 club members around the united states um i work with some state associations so every state has their own soccer association and um, in addition to doing a lot of work where, well, pre-COVID, I was traveling and speaking and doing a lot of coach and parent education in different areas of the country and speaking at conventions, um, I write for my public blog, which is soccerparenting.com. But I've also created an entirely separate website and an educational platform called the Soccer Parent Resource Center. And um, I'll go ahead and in your show notes, um, you know, you can include a link to a free, um, maybe like a three-day trial for the parents and coaches that are listening so that they can get a behind-the-scenes look of what I've provided there. But the clubs that sign on um, to become a club member are able to provide this education platform to all the parents and coaches in their club. And um, it's just hundreds of articles, uh, content that I've created over the years, a lot of interviews that I've done with some of the real leaders across the globe 
from a player development standpoint to give parents this greater insight. There's a few courses for parents to, to take. There's a sideline behavior um, program called the Sideline Project that the clubs can engage with, um, require parent education for them to watch the Sideline Project video. Um, and then there's little breakaways, little videos and antics, uh, just smaller pieces of content that parents can can grab. So the parents can get on the site and if they have an issue or stress or curious about something, they can search by topic and then either see articles or courses or um, video interviews that I've done with people about those specific topics. And then on the site, I also do coach education as well about relationship building, establishing trust, those types of things. So the clubs are able to provide online education for the coaches in their club related to these topics of parent engagement and trust and um, sense of community theory is something that I present quite a bit about. Um, and then uh, the clubs that are joining into this sort of movement, if you will, are um, aligning around our value statements and our mission and our belief statements. So at Soccer Parenting, we believe that a strong and supportive community of level-headed, which I spoke about before, and like-minded parents and coaches will inspire players. Uh, we believe that a more collaborative environment between coach, parent, club, and player is um, in the best interest of player development. And we believe when parents seek information about how to best support their player, that great things will happen. And then finally, you know, the clubs that are joining this movement are rethinking the dynamics of this relationship. And so we believe you soccer parents will be difference makers when it comes to improving the game and that giving them a really clear and specific place. Um, not a lot of, of, of like power within the coach dynamic, as I've hopefully I've adequately expressed, but just giving them um, some guidance. Because as coaches, we all look back and say, oh, this misguided parent or this parent that thinks that this training will help. Like, Part of the reason that these fallacies exist in our youth culture is because as coaches, we've allowed them, we've facilitated them, we haven't spoken out against them. So that's a lot of what this movement is about. And then, you know, I have value statements for parents that the clubs are aligning around about active health and coach integrity and life lessons, um, soccer knowledge, love of the game and uh, balanced outlook. And those are the four value statements that parent, you, your listeners can find um, on soccerparenting.com with a little bit more detail about what each of those mean. But those are the values that we try to um, have parents uh, internalize so that, you know, it's our values that guide our behaviors. So when they're making decisions for their child or in situations, they can let these soccer parent value statements really um, guide and lead and support them. Yeah, def and that'll definitely be in the description um, for them to refer to. Um, yeah, like from just even hearing uh, the values and like the research that we've done, is like a very like sort of um, holistic view of it, and it's, it's a very pure mm -hmm. view, um, in the in the sense that, you know, like you said, the parents think they're not necessarily questioning the technical and tactical um, side of it, but you, it's like you're giving them like a basis on to know, you, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like what sort of direction to go in in terms of what their kid needs and you know, the, the type of coach that's going to be interacting with them. Um, just in regards to sort of like, um, you know, practical methods, like what what sort of things that you would expect clubs to be doing to kind of help parents with, um, with that sort of knowledge or that education, shall I say? 
Sure. Yeah. The the clubs that are implementing this programming successfully, their coaches are relatively bought in. Of course, we already alluded to the fact that some of the coaches are just not going to come around to this. But the clubs that have strong technical director directors, executive directors, I'm, you know, spend my time talking to directors of coaching and around the United States, you know, it's the coaching directors that have bought into this messaging and that are pushing it out um, through their coaches that is are most effective. Um so some different things that are happening is that they have like, we'll have real clear guidelines for the coach parent interactions. Um, so whether it's like, you know, we'll have a preseason team meeting and providing information about what that meeting, the coach meeting with the parents needs to cover. Um, we'll have regular systematic feedback to players, depending on the level. And if it's a grassroots or more academy environment in the States, we don't really use the academy term as much as um, club term, mm -hmm. but you know, if, if it's a paid environment here in the States, then the expectation really should be that the parents and the players are going to receive some sort of systematic feedback, whether it be at the end of the season or at the halfway point of the year, um, just so that the player understands, you know, where they stand with everything and are, and are getting some good education and some good learning is happening. Um, you know, it's something that I really encourage and the clubs that are using this and the coaches that are using this all love this is I do what's called a pregame huddle. This is part of our sideline project, which is, um, our parent, um, you know, like our intervention, if you will, or education program for parents about sideline behavior. We talk about supportive, distracting, and hostile communication on the sidelines. But one of the things that's part of this is the coach doing a pregame huddle. So about five minutes before kickoff, as my players are in their final stage of warm-up, you know, they're nine. I said it's U10 team. Like, they can handle that, though. That's good autonomy for them to finish up the, the warm-up. Um, I'll walk over to the parents the same, pretty much the same time. And I generally meet them at the same place on the field and they'll huddle around me and I will give a 60 to 90 second kind of overview of what we've been working on, what I'm looking forward to. I'll give them a reminder about, you know, only supportive communication, no distracting or hostile communication. And, um, you know, this is often the most stressful time for a parent is on the sidelines just before the kickoff, you know, like the build up to this yeah. moment. So we find that bringing parents together in this often stressful time, um, establishing kind of a sense of solidarity amongst them will really help um, improve the sideline behavior. So, um, you know, some of the clubs that I'm working on are, are really pushing that and that's going really, really well. Um, in terms of other specifics um, that clubs are doing and utilizing this work is, you know, also providing like specific parent education opportunities for them to learn about, you know, specific topics, um, you know, through the platform is, is um, you know, been really effective to establishing a positive uh, parenting culture in the club. That, that sounds brilliant. And I can imagine in this sort of uh, day and age, you've been uh, quite busy uh, yeah. quite the other thing that I just thought of that I should have mentioned, because I think that this is sort of like a, a really important, very simple way to start is for every coach should know the first name of every mm. parent on their teams. And when I ask this, when the work that I'm doing, um, you know, maybe 15, 20% of the coaches will raise their hand that say they know the first name, like just to be able to get out of the car as you're walking to the training and to see a parent and to be able to say, Hey, John, 
how was your day at work? Good. And just to say, hey, John, like the parent will feel such a stronger connection to you and appreciate that so much. So, um, you know, if there's one thing I would say to the coaches listening, just make a point to do that. And that is not easy for me. I'm horrible with names. I literally make flashcards <laughs> for like the player name on the front and the parent's name on the back. And I test myself on it until I've got it. I mean, it's that important to me. So just, something I'd really encourage, you know, your listeners. I've seen in, the, in this country in particular is that parent who maybe has to just drop the child <coughs> and then shoot off to do something else in the time that the child is there, whether that be take, mm -hmm. you know, one of the siblings to another place or go and do, go and do the grocery shop sure. or whatever that looks like. So sometimes you actually don't even get any, you don't even get, get any face-to-face -face contact with the parent. Um, you know, just leading on from that, you know, you said that one of the, you know, the first steps and important steps would be obviously for the coaches to kind of, get that first name at least at least be aware of the name if there is a real opportunity to use it then fantastic if not at least they're, they're aware of what what that name is just building on that then would you mind yeah. going into some um you know what you maybe consider as your how-to steps in terms of pair coaches sorry building those relationships with the parents and i guess creating an environment where the it is engaging for the parents yeah, so I think there can be some confusion around like this whole idea, like to to maybe backtrack just one step. Like I personally don't think the parents should be at okay. training. I think the parents should drop the kids off with coaches that they trust in an environment that's really conducive to player development and inspirational. And the players should run out. That's how we're going to build autonomy. And autonomy is such an important component of motivation for children. So having a parent hovering and, hey, listen, the, the most like commented on article that I've ever written is seven reasons or something, five, seven, I don't know, reasons parents shouldn't attend practice, you know, um, but there, there are a lot of important reasons on why that is a good thing. And I'm not saying I never would go to my child's practice. Um, you know, sometimes I'd watch the last few minutes from afar, but I think hovering on the sidelines is not a good idea. Um, at our club where we have the parents can't come around the fields during training, um, you know, they do limit them. I was in France last summer um, and I know that some of the youth clubs in France are doing the same thing, like not allowing the parents to be at the training fields during training. Um, so, so just to be really clear on what that looks like, I mean, parent engagement, if we're talking about like specific steps and ways that coaches can help, it really is all about just providing some information for parents, I think, key about like I've already said, like motivation and how you can support a child, your child when it comes to establishing stronger motivation, growth mindset, all of those things um, is about long term athlete development and how a parent can make sure their child is developing as a complete athlete. Um, and, you know, that's key for a parent to be able to support and would be talking about mental performance and key things and ways that parents can support a child mentally. I've collaborated a lot with Dan Abrahams, who I'm sure, you know, mm. from the UK, he and I have partnered on a number of projects and they've all been about um, 
just this concept. I think parents are uniquely positioned to support a child with their mental side of the game because they truly know their child best. And so giving parents some tools around that. Um, you know, one of our soccer parent value statements is soccer knowledge. You know, we foster our children's love of soccer by seeking to educate ourselves about the rules, nuances and intricacies of the game. So, you know, just little things like a parent screaming to the child to go to the ball when technically they're the second defender and they shouldn't be going to the ball. They should be covering, you know, so, you know, helping parents understand like basic principles of defense might be helpful, but I really don't think that the connection between coaches and parents needs to be on a day-to-day -day basis about what's happening. Parents need to trust that the clubs are doing the right thing and they need to find clubs that are. And as parents get more engaged, this is why the parent engagement is truly going to be a difference maker when it comes to improving the game. Then the clubs are just going to have to get better. And that doesn't mean the parents are going to be crazy involved. It just means that clubs need to be providing extremely quality product so that the parents will gravitate to that and will make a decision um, for their child to attend there. So now the pressure will be on clubs to provide a really incredible developmental environment, which these kids are inspired and falling in love with the game. Mm. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I guess so. Um... <laughs> I mean, because I, I, I just think there's a lot of mis, like misunderstanding about what parents, parent education needs to look like. Mm. Like parents, you really, it's kind of like my daughter was in AP history. Mm. I, I, I don't remember any of that. Like, I'm not going to be able to, to support her through AP physics, right? Like, we wouldn't, as a physics teacher, wouldn't expect me to remember Newton's laws of gravity. Like, I don't, like, those don't come right to my mind anymore. So I trust, though, that my daughter has a really good physics professor or teacher to be able to help her learn the things that she will need to learn. So it, it really just comes back to this trust and, and um, commitment to a great environment. Okay, so then just to kind of build on that, then what would you say are the fundamentals between or from the coach um, in building that specific relationship with the parents? You know, you talk there about mm -hmm. the name and being mm -hmm. given clarity and I guess around the purpose and the uh, the outcome for the environment. Is there anything else that you'd attach to that in yeah. terms of that would really I guess, help develop and establish that relationship with the parent, especially building it around trust? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about like specifics for establishing trust. So I'll just go back to those and just highlight them real quick. So, you know, having real and well, I would say the foundation for all of this is that coaches need to develop emotional intelligence skills. So if you are a coach that's struggling in your parent relationships and you're trying, but it's just not working, I would go back to emotional intelligence and voraciously read and educate yourself about self-awareness and self-management. These are skills that you can learn. We've like forgotten them in our coach education. Slowly, our federations are building these skills into our coach education programming, which I think is phenomenal. But, you know, you need to understand self-awareness and self-management um, because it's going to be really hard for you to have good, positive relationships um, with parents until you have that. Um, so talking straight, like having the ability to actually break through these barriers. And what I always say to coaches, and which maybe is a good question here to answer your question, <laughs> is what do you believe to be true about soccer parents? And coaches need to actually like ruminate on that. They need to reflect. 
They need to write about it. Like, this is what I believe to be true. They need to catch themselves in the moment with whatever thoughts they have about parents and remember and reflect on that because that often is what's driving our behaviors. And so I used the example before about after a match, you just lost it, you know, three to two to your crosstown rival and you have parents walking over to the sidelines afterwards and you're feeling stressed because you just lost and you're frustrated and you're thinking the parents are mad. Like, so maybe that's like, I believe that parents really care a lot about the results of the game. And maybe if you actually talk straight and have real conversations with your parents in a parent meeting, that's talking about what their expectations are and really ask parents, I'm curious, how important are the results of the matches to you? And if you did a survey or had conversation with parents about that, what you'd find is that they don't care about that as much as you think. And so we really need to start with this question of as coaches, what do we believe to be true about soccer parents? And, and then just reflect and understand and see if that's actually what is the case. So, you know, talking straight to be able to get to the bottom of what those preconceived ideas that are very historical in nature and have been passed down culturally um, over the years in the youth sports landscape. Um, and then demonstrating respect. We talked about that. That would be knowing their name for sure. Um, creating transparency. Um, you know, I just had, uh, because of COVID with my team, I was able to select eight, but I just didn't see uh, these other five um, players play enough. And so I had this like two, three week longstanding tryout for these extra five players that if they didn't make this team would be pushed down to the lower team at our club. And I was very transparent with those five parents and the players about that whole process and really kept up, kept them up to date. I didn't want it to be a stressful situation. And so, you know, we need to create that type of transparencies and, you know, we are going to make mistakes as coaches. So when we do make a mistake, we need to write that wrong. Um, and, and kind of going back to like, what do you believe to be true is I would really say that we need to listen first. So, and this comes down to self skills. Like if a parent is coming to you and you're doing personal training and they're saying, this is what their expectations are, listen to them and then ask them some questions so that you can get to the bottom of it and be willing to lead and guide and teach them. Because, you know, as coaches, we need to do, we need to understand that you know, we don't need to become completely overwhelmed with educating parents, but it, it, this is, this is youth football. Like parents are part of this. We would never say to the teachers, you can, you never have to communicate with the parents. Like the teachers in schools, we expect them to have some communication with parents and to be held accountable, so to speak, or to support a parent if their child is struggling so that they can understand that more as, as youth coaches, even if we're volunteer, even if this is grassroots, we're taking that on when we take on the responsibility of coaching a youth team. Well, look, there's some great stuff in there, Scott. I think, you know, certainly giving our listeners and ourselves something to think about in the respect of how to go about developing those <laughs> relationships with the parents um, and certainly looking at, you know, just expanding on some of the stuff that we've talked about around some of the challenges and, uh, I guess, perception from a parent perspective. You know, like I said earlier, there's some parents who are, who are you know, for lack of a better phrase, know-it-alls. Um, and those that mm -hmm. are just unconditionally... Uh, passionate about supporting their child and maybe just miss or ill-advised um, or lack, you know, lack some education how to actually support their players in that respect. Um, 
Sky, you know, there's been very, you know, I just want to thank you again for your time this evening. It's been very insightful for us and I'm sure for our listeners too. Um, just to kind of build on, you know, as we start to wind down, is there any way that the listeners potentially over in the UK could get access to your your the Soccer Parent Association? Is there any support that they can uh, seek via that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so because, um, you know, for us in the States, um, soccer is expensive with our pay-to-play model, which, you know, is not going to really go away with the size of our country and the lack of, of the pro game here. Um, I've been try I try to make this really low cost for the clubs. And um, I, I believe that the vast majority of the content that I have on the site is relevant to uh, soccer parents anywhere, um, that it's not so geared just to the U.S. and the U.S. market. Um, so, of course, um, organizations in the U.K. can um, could become a member as well. The clubs here just pay five hundred dollars for the year, so it's not it's not extremely expensive. I don't care about the size of your club. I just want this content to get into the hands of parents, so that um, we can start to change the culture. So, of course, any clubs that are interested, um, individual parents are able to join um, as well. So, if you just go to soccerparentresourcecenter.com, then um, that'll be the landing page, and individual parents can join, or clubs that are interested in learning more or want to reach out or um, want to talk to me about doing some parent and coach education um, via Skype or however we would do it these days, um, you know, can just reach out to me via the soccerparenting.com site. My, my email is just sky, S-K-Y-E, at soccerparenting.com. social media where the, the listeners could get in touch if they wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. Twitter's probably the best place. Um, all my handles are at soccerparenting, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Um you know, and I encourage people to follow me there. I'll push out the new content. Um, I do monthly webinars uh, with, you know, leaders in the game. I've had Dan Abrahams, Marco Sullivan, Nick Levitt, um, you know, from from the UK. I'm trying to think of others. Todd Bean from from Spain is doing some great work with Tovo. Um, have all been you know guests, um, and those webinars are free um, that I that I push out every month and limited to 500 people. Um, so, you know, anyone can, can register to listen. Brilliant. Well, there, there you have it, guys. Some great insights um, from Sky Eddie Bruce on how to engage and develop those relationships with those parents and what it means to, I guess, the development of the play within that. Um, on that note, Ben, just want to let listeners aware they can get in touch with you. Yes, you can get in touch with me on Twitter and Instagram at FocusBXN. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, guys. You've been listening to another edition of the Coaches Network How-To Series where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests break down some actionable how-to steps for you to reach your full potential. Now, I've got no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again, guys. You know, your support is massively appreciated. So thanks again for everyone that's been tuning in and please do get in touch with us and today's guest to let us know where you're listening from, to share your thoughts, your views and your key takeaways from today's show. Along with any suggestions for guests you'd like to see on the show and any topics you'd like to hear discussed, ultimately, guys, the show is about you guys. So let us know what you're interested in, who you're interested in listening from. So get us and get in touch. And on that note, guys, you can get in touch on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. But please do not forget to use the hashtag the Coaches Network. That was the hashtag the Coaches Network. We need as much support we can get to keep this great content coming out to you. Now, lastly, guys, I just want to say keep an eye out for our socials on the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with our panel. Until next time, guys, take care and have a great day. The Coaches Network.
bringing the game together. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.